Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a very special episode of Turf Show Radio. It's your boy 3K, and it's late night. On this special West Coast episode of Turf Show Radio, we're going to have Drew from One Brown Donation of the God. And it's going to be saucy. All right, enough of that. Man. Enough of that. No, we got to get to the football stuff. It's all good, man. You know when you let me in the booth and there's no van, it's going to get a little bit wacky. It could get wackier after this. But I figured that was an appropriate way to start the show. But I want to bring on Drew from OBNUG. Drew, I'll let you do the intro. What's going on, brother? <laughs> Not much, man. Yeah, we, we call it Obnug. Uh, it's a little easier to roll off the tongue that way. But, yeah. One Bronco Nation under God's where, where we're hailing from, so uh, happy to be here. Good stuff. Hey, I, ju- I just got a big note. I-, I heard that you were actually, you had one of the most accurate brackets of anybody in the country as it relates to college basketball. Fill me in. How, did, what, what, how much effort did you put into your bracket this year? Oh, tons. Well, yeah, I mean, you've always got an accurate bracket when you actually didn't fill one out because then you could say, oh, yeah, I totally called that, called that one. So, yeah, I mean, I, I had Butler going to the Final Four. Um, I had Pitt, you know, out in the first round, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I, I definitely had those, you know, in the back of my head and stuff like that. I did not commit them to paper, but, um, you know, I, I, I think I'm a man of my word. I think people, people, you know, uh, understand where I'm coming from when I when I tell them how good my picks have been. That's impressive. You got you got to let me know how do you, how do you avoid filling out a bracket? I'm assuming you're from you're from Boise, Idaho, correct? Yeah, I'm I'm born and raised, and I work in Boise, Idaho. So, you know, it, it's it's not something that's that's lost on us out here. Although the Broncos uh, don't make it to the dance uh, very often, um, I've done one the last you know five six years. It's just been uh, it's more about you know the people you work with and, and people in your peer group that they kind of get you excited about it. And, and this was one of those years where it just kind of snuck up on me. All of a sudden, I was like, oh gosh, there's a game tonight, and I hadn't filled one out. So I just uh, I let it kind of get away from me, and um, and I failed to fill one out. So, I mean, it, it does make watching the games a little less exciting, you know. I mean, uh, otherwise, I don't know why you'd be rooting for Richmond or, or what have you. But, you know, um, it's just that's just what happened. But there's still been some good games, and I've been enjoying it so far. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not in it to win it this year as, as far as that stuff goes. It's, a, it's always interesting to me. You know, I'm from, I'm from Texas. Uh, my family from Louisiana, so I grew up in the South, very sports-heavy family, so I'm always interested when I meet people that uh, – and, and they're kind of like, you know, hermits. When I meet people that don't fill out brackets, it's like, you know, uh, do you have electricity? Do you churn your own butter? How how do you get by in, in you know, an Augustine 12-month calendar? So I'm always interested to know that stuff, but it's a good segue, my friend, uh, on to, you know, more important things for Boise State for the program, and that's obviously football. We're gonna, we'll get to the prospects in a second. Give me a sense. You know, I know spring practices are kicking in. I saw some stuff on Kellen Moore today. Where, where is the Boise State program as it relates today? Not necessarily going into this next season, but how comfortable are you guys with the program, you know, conference switch, those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we all feel that, you know, as long as we've got Chris Peterson on hand, I mean, we're in good shape. So, I mean, we've lost some of our coordinators the last couple of years. You know, we lost uh, Justin Wilcox, Tennessee, uh, last year. And then this year, you know, most recently, 
uh, down in your stomping grounds, uh, Mac Brown was able to, uh, you know, get Brian Harson, our offensive coordinator, to come join him in Texas. But, you know, Boise State seems to have, you know, enough guys that they're able to get these guys internally uh, promoted within the program. And, um, you know, Chris Peterson's really kind of the glue that holds that whole thing together. And, you know, even when Dan Hawkins was at Boise State, um, you know, Chris Peterson was the guy that kind of, kind of made the show work, you know, and, and, and that's what a lot of people have said. So as long as Chris Peterson sticks around and, and keeps, uh, you know, spurning these offers from, you know, quote, quote unquote, bigger, better uh, conferences or bigger and better teams, you know, I think we're going to be in good shape. And, you know, recruiting has finally caught up to where, you know, Boise State is getting some of these some of these blue chip type recruits, whereas, you know, five, ten years ago, Boise State was winning with a bunch of unheralded walk-on type guys. And so, now, you know, to see what they can do with, with some of these guys that were, were recruiting out of, you know, Texas and were recruiting against uh, heavily against the Pac-10 and the Big 12 and, and things like that and actually getting guys to come to Boise, um, you know, it just kind of opens a whole new set of uh, opportunities for the Broncos. So, yeah, I mean, I think I feel we're, we're kind of locked in now where I think, uh, you know, people would be very surprised if, if Boise State didn't get, you know, 9-10 wins a year and go to a bowl game. And, um, you know, we're not going to keep winning, you know, going undefeated year in, year out. But um, although that's kind of been the way it's gone the last, the last five or ten. But but uh, I definitely think that Boise State's in one of those that, you know, they're going to continue to win uh, big games against BCS conferences. They're going to go to bowl games. And they're going to knock on the on the door to BCS bowls, you know, uh, you know every year, every other year. I mean, that's kind of the way we feel about it. So, so we feel real good about the way things are going right now, obviously. Yeah, and it's hard not to. I mean, you guys have had, you know, I, I, I don't know a ton about the program, but I'd be surprised if this hasn't been the most successful run in the history of your school, at least as it relates to this uh, this sport. And, you know, NCAA, you guys have had a, a, lot of, a lot of success, not just in the regular season, but as you mentioned, in the bowl games. I think the thing that's most uh, – what's a good word? I, I guess most interesting to me as an NFL fan, as somebody that – watches the NFL draft, and I see we got a call from the 530. Just give me a second to roll through, Drew, with this segment, and we'll get you on. Um, is when I look at the recruiting, the kind of recruits that you guys are bringing in, they're not the kind of, you know, big-name recruits, guys like Julio Jones, who was a big high school recruit, went to Alabama, and now he's coming out on the NFL seat. Marvin Austin, you know, a, a pretty much consensus number one defensive tackle, went to North Carolina, now a very coveted NFL prospect. It doesn't seem that those are the kind of guys that you guys are going after. Maybe it's a, a bit of a, in, you know, to pull in the March Madness analogy, maybe it's a bit like Duke. You guys are going after players that you know you're going to be able to mold in your system, quality guys that you know aren't going to have those off-field issues that so many teams, whether it happens to be SEC teams that suddenly always have off-field problems or not, uh, you guys are going to have you know, high-quality individuals that have the character to back up a lot of what they do on the field. Is there a sense of how the NFL plays into your recruiting schemes? I talked about this with uh, Todd from Roll Band Roll last week, and he mentioned the fact that Nick Saban rolls that into a lot of their recruiting efforts, the idea that, you know, you come to Alabama, we're going to get you as much support as we can to get you into the NFL. Is that is that a part of the recruiting effort at Boise State, or is there still too much to, you know, build in terms of building that pipeline? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's something that's first and foremost when they go after recruits at, at Boise. Um, like you said, you know, they tend to go after the guys that are somewhat unheralded or, or kind of the more character guys that they really feel, you know, are all effort type guys. But you know, they're going to throw their hat in the ring for some four and five star guys now and again. It doesn't, it doesn't generally, 
you know, uh, behoove us to go against uh, Alabama's and, and things like that. But, you know, Boise State's getting to the point where they're, they're uh, you know, competing against teams like Nebraska and, you know, Texas Tech and, and most of the Pac-10. Uh, basically, Boise State does fairly well against. But, yeah, I mean, as far as the NFL sort of thing, I mean, obviously, you know, any, any player that goes on to play collegiate ball um, hopes to go on to that next level. But, you know, Boise State, you know, really preach, preaches uh, family and they preach academics and, and working hard. And, you know, they, they feel like if they, they can get those guys to be all about football for the next four or five years of their life, then, you know, those, those doors will open up to them. I know that, you know, the, the recent success of uh, putting, you know, defensive backs in the NFL and things like that has definitely – um, helped with uh, with recruiting of defensive backs, it seems like that. And then, you know, also the fact that we've had a, a first-round pick, uh, um, Ryan Clady, you know, with the Broncos, uh, you know, a first-rounder on the offensive line. It seems like the offensive line guys are, are starting to kind of, uh, you know, pique their interest a little bit towards Boise State. So, yeah, I mean, it really kind of seems like, uh, you know, position by position, guys that they see that, you know, Boise State's got some kind of blue-chip talent into the NFL – at that position, maybe maybe those guys might uh, take an extra look at Boise State, but you know I really don't think that's you know what the, what our recruiters go out and try to sell from the first uh, you know first place. So, um, but yeah, everybody wants to go on to the NFL, I'm sure. Well, I mean, it's just one of those interesting dynamics. I know growing up in the South, that's always something that's going to help programs sell in the South is the idea that you can translate people to the NFL. Uh, at Texas Tech, like you mentioned, it's always going to be wide receivers and qu- quarterbacks. At Nebraska, you know they're going to have offensive linemen that they're pushing towards the NFL. That can always be a selling point. I think one of the the great things that you guys have going for the program is that you have a pair of wide receivers that did so much for the program that are now going to go to the NFL and Titus Young and Austin Pettis. Give us a, give us a sense on both those guys what you think NFL teams will be getting. Um, you know, obviously draft stock is one of those things that conventional wisdom affects probably, you know, too heavily leading up to the draft. So I'm not going to go out there and say, I know this guy's going to go here or here. But Titus Young, Austin Pettis, they're both very, very highly coveted prospects at the wide receiver position in a draft that doesn't have a lot of great wide receivers. What, what do you think the teams will be getting in those two guys? Um, yeah, well, I mean, first off, I'll start with Austin Pettis. I mean, Austin Pettis, in my opinion, is, is the best uh, receiver I've ever seen at Boise State in terms of just kind of having that whole whole package. I mean, he's he's got the height, he's got the reach, he's got hands. Um, you know, he, he's got decent speed. He's not as fast as Titus, but, you know, he runs excellent routes and, and you know, gets open. But, I mean, he's, he's basically your – one of the best, you know, possession type receivers in the country, in my opinion. And as far as his hands go, I mean, <laughs> they they started to, you know, give Austin Pettis kind of a nickname as the man with the magic hands because I mean, he he just he if you put it within three yards of him, it seemed like he was going to pull it down. And um, I've seen him make just some absolutely ridiculous catches over the last few years. And you know, if 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 you're looking to for a guy in the NFL that's going to be a guy that can you know, go out there and move the chains, uh, you know, on a on a third and long or, or a third and short, whatever the case may be, or, or, you know, run that corner fade in the red zone or something like that and bring it down. I mean, he's a very aggressive uh, receiver when it goes to, uh, you know, going up and, and bringing the ball down. You know, he knows how to box out the, the cornerbacks and stuff like that. And, you know, like I said, he is, he's got some height on him. He's got a good jump. 
So, I mean, he, he's definitely a guy that I think would, would excel at the next level. He's not going to be your, you know, typical deep threat type type wide receiver, but I think he's going to be a very uh, manageable uh, receiver at the next level. And, and, you know, I mean, if you get it near him, he's going to, he's going to catch it. Um, Titus Young, I mean, he's probably one of the most explosive receivers I've ever seen at Boise State. And, um, you know, I think if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, you know, who was going to be the higher uh, rated draft pick, I, I, I probably would have said Austin Pettis, but that's just because, you know, a couple of years ago, Titus Young was, was kind of having some off-field issues, and it really didn't, we didn't really know what his future was. But the last two years, you know, when he's kind of recommitted himself and refocused on football, I mean, he put together some of the finest receiving seasons in Boise State history. I mean, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Um, and he's really done it all. I mean, he's uh, ran kicks back for touchdowns. He's, uh, you know, he's done little fly sweeps for, you know, 80-yard touchdowns. And, I mean, he, he's got a lot of moves. He's, he's very shifty. He's very quick. And, and really, he's, he's hard, very, very hard to cover in a one-on-one, you know, uh, cover-one type scenario. I mean, I think it was uh, Virginia Tech's cornerback, you know, Boise State played last year, Rashad Carmichael, who – I think in his own right is a you know fairly highly regarded uh, draft pick, but um, he said of Titus Young after we played them, he said that Titus Young was the best receiver or the fastest receiver he'd ever lined up against, um, you know, in all his years at Virginia Tech. So, I mean, I think that might say something about people that say that you know Titus Young only uh, excelled because it was against whack competition. I mean, he he, he has very legitimate speed. And um, and great moves, and you know the last couple of years he's developed his hands as well. So I mean he's a sure-handed receiver. So you know either of those guys are going to make a team happy. I'm sure of that. Drew, you there, my friend? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, now, I don't, I don't want to call it a Boise State curse. I don't want to call it a Boise State curse. I'm just saying that's the first time we've ever had an interruption on our show radio. I just want to make sure you realize that you're the first. Yeah, well, I just kept on talking, so uh, I don't know how much of that you guys missed, actually. Hey, hey, it could affect Titus Young's draft stock. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it won't. I'm just letting it. I'm just it out there. But go ahead, finish your thoughts on Titus Young, man. Well, I don't know where I got cut off exactly, actually, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just you were talking about Rashad Carmichael I mean, and you know the fact that he he was one of the best receivers that he had ever covered while he was ever doing the tech. Okay, so yeah, I mean, so I you know basically you know Carmichael's comments, you know, I mean. That's just his personal opinion, obviously, but I think that that goes to show that there's a lot of people out there that kind of knock Boise State's success because they say, oh, you know, it's, it's not against elite competition or, or things of that nature. But um, you know, Titus Young is is a very legitimate receiver. He's got he's got legit speed. He's got quickness. He's got good hands that he's developed over the last couple of years. And you know, he he can do it all. I mean, he he can uh, he can take those uh, reverses. Or he can uh, you know return kicks and punts and. And, uh, you know, he, he's just a very electric-type player. And so I think, uh, you know, any team that, that would get Titus or Austin would, uh, 
would do well, uh, you know, to bolster their roster um, with with either of those guys. They obviously bring different things to the table, but both of them are, um, you know, pretty good at what they do. Well, good stuff, man. I, I got two more questions I'm going to throw at you before we cut off, unless you got something else you want to say, and you can interrupt at any time. Uh, the next one I got, I know you've heard about the lockout going on in the NFL. I know you're primarily a college football blogger. What What is – what is your take on the lockout? You know, the NCAA, as many issues as it has, one that it doesn't have is the kind of political overture that the NFL is having to deal with now, you know, the the business side uh, of sports. What, what What is your take on the lockout in the NFL? If you could sum it up in just a couple words, maybe a couple sentences, how, how do you feel about what's going on at the professional level? Well, you know, it, it's something that's really hard to sum up because I think for the, you know, average, you know, working man, the average Joe Schmeller like me, you know, it, it's it's really hard to inject myself into a debate that's really a, a billionaires versus millionaires, you know. I mean, we all we all would would be in heaven to play football and get paid for it, but I understand that these guys put their bodies through a lot and, and uh, as much money as those guys make, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, they, they don't know how long their career is going to be and some of them, if they don't, you know, invest that money wisely and stuff like that. It can it can be very fleeting, but um, you know, I do understand that you know guys want to feel like their their uh, their talents are, are valued properly and things like that. But you know, for somebody like me, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people in the U.S., it's hard for us to wrap our head around you know millionaires you know quibbling about you know how much money they're making. But at the same time, I think uh, it looks like you know the billionaires who are these owners and stuff like that expect you know to you know toss a few more games on the schedule and, and things of that nature without asking much more or or, or with, without giving much more to the players, I suppose. And so, I mean, it's really one of those things where it's hard to wrap my head around because I, I'd be ecstatic to be making even, you know, what some of these guys are making on the low end of the NFL salary uh, scale. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think it's unfortunate that, um, that there's this kind of animosity going on because, because really, I mean, it kind of taints people to the whole NFL thing. I mean, you know, personally, I mean, in the last few years, I, I've become, you know, so focused on college football that I, that it's hard for me to even, you know, sit and watch an NFL game anymore just because, you know, there is all these kind of shenanigans that seems like go on. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of that going on in the NCAA now too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when you feel like you don't even know if, if you know, you're going to be able to see a season of play next year, it, it does kind of sour you on the whole uh, – the whole thing, and I just hope they can work things out, and I hope the fans will, uh, will want to come back, you know, when this is all said and done. Yeah, it's good. So I just want to point out, you know, obviously you have a bias. When I think about millionaires, billionaires, obviously I'm going to think about Pocatello, Idaho, Missoula. So, you know, you're in that very Tony area of the country, you know, where it's hard to get away, and you may not be able to, to you know, understand what common man has gone through, you know, Chalice National Forest. It's it's practically, you know, the the Martha's been or whatever you may call it out there in your in your palaces that you guys have out there. It, it is what it is though. One one last question, my friend. Um it, you know, Boise State moving forward obviously has a lot to give the NFL and the Rams are gonna be interested in a lot of guys coming forward. I know we got two calls I'm about to get to y'all. This is my last question for Drew. Um whether it's Jerron Johnson, Titus Young, Austin Pettis, what is it you hope that Broncos do in the NFL to represent the program? Whether it's statistics, whether it's, you know, 
a, a certain level of character. What is it? What is it that you want to see from the alumni that you've come to grow with as a fan of y'all's program? Once they get to the NFL, what is it you hope that they can accomplish? Um, you know, I think when you mentioned character, I mean, I, I, that one's big to me because I mean, Boise State's already had their guys, you know, in the Pro Bowl now, which you know, kind of uh, you know, broke some new ground for them. They had uh, they had Ryan Clady play in the Pro Bowl, and then um, sure. we also had Quentin Michael in there, you know, year before last. So I mean, I think Boise State's seen those guys, you know, uh, you know, they compete at a very high level, and we've you know got our Super Bowl rings and, and things like that, which obviously we're proud of, but. I mean, you know, when these guys come back to Boise, you know, in the off season or come back to do a, a play to run camp or something like that for the kids, I mean, that's big to me, that, you know, to see that these guys are so grounded and they'll come back and, and still embrace the community because, I mean, Boise is the type of community that, you know, embraces these players like like few others, you know. I mean, these guys, you know, can't go anywhere around this town without people noticing them and come up and, and talking to them and things like that, but, but it's it's a different kind of vibe here in Boise. I mean, people are very friendly and and very welcoming and and things like that. And so you know, when these guys go off and you know sign their multi million dollar contracts and and things like that, but still come back and and run these camps for little kids or you know anything like that and, and kind of you know retain that level of character and and go on to leadership roles you know on their teams, whether it even be on special teams or something like that. Um, you know, I think that's the most important to you know people around here. You know rather than, you know, if we're just getting guys bringing in Super Bowl rings or, or uh, you know, making the Pro Bowl every other year. I, I mean, I just think that, that they want to go and represent, you know, uh, our state and our school as best we can. You know, obviously a lot of these guys come from different states and, and whatnot as well. But, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of pride in that, that, um, you know, the guys that come through this program, they're recruited as character guys, and that they you know, retain that on the next level, you know, even with all the distractions and things that are thrown at them. So, uh, that's that's my personal opinion, anyway. Hey, good stuff, Drew. Hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. And you know, when you guys get a chance to come outside your palaces and uh, you know escape the gated <laughs> communities that you guys all live in, you know, after your champagne showers and your you know salmon roe fajitas for breakfast, uh, feel free to feel free to let us know, and we'll we'll have you on any of the time, brother. <laughs> oh, we're all we're all we're all about potatoes up here, so. You know, I guess you can make I guess you can make vodka out of that, but um, I'm not sure. <laughs> there you go. Hey, thanks a bunch, man. I appreciate it. You guys take it easy. Hey, Drew from Ob everybody, O B N U G, B S B Nation community for the Boise State Broncos. I know we got two callers on the line right now, five three zero and the five zero one. I'm gonna bring you on right now. Running out of time. I only got about ten minutes left on air. And then we're going to have the overtime section for about 15 minutes, so we're, I'm going to make sure we squeeze you both in. There's not a whole lot i got to talk about uh, from the 530, so I'm, I'm going to need you to help me out. You're on Turchill Radio. Which one are you calling first, the 501 or 530? I'm, I'm calling you, Noxie. Come on, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, I've just been passing the time with that little British girl answers the phone. You know, I tell her, hey, you work out, and she never does answer, so uh, what the heck. <laughs> Hey, hey, what's uh, going on, man? What you got in your mind tonight? Uh, I, I'm just, I'm just gonna d- just tell you, you guys are doing a great job on PST. Uh, I'm a defensive guy. Uh, both, all of my picks are, are defensive guys, and I know we're not going to get them. I'm a, I'm a Kimura guy and a Quinn guy, so uh, I'm just holding my breath. I know there's going to be a, 
there's going to be a last hour meeting on this lockout thing, and they're going to announce it, you know, one minute before the shutoff time, and, and uh, we're going to play football. There's just too much oh, money sure. they're going to lose, and everybody. Uh, so we've got to put the drama in there. So uh, we got our drama with the, with the draft, and they got their drama with the lockout. So uh, I'm I'm just hoping uh, that uh, we get at least one or two of my picks in the in the in the draft, and I'll be happy. I'll be happy either way, but I'd I'd rather see old Quinn tearing it up. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be okay, interesting boys. to see him drop. On the, on the lockout stuff, it's like I've said before, the key is to figure out what the deadline that both sides feel. The deadline isn't the arbitrary deadline that they set in terms of negotiations that force the certification, the lockout. It's about when both sides start feeling the pain. And, you know, when you talk about feeling the pain for these two groups, you're talking about feeling the pain in terms of money, the financial issue. I don't know when that's going to be, but at some point they're going to realize that, you know, they're too close to the season, and it's not worth sacrificing more time in these negotiations. It's worth just taking whatever deals in front of them, and they're going to move ahead. I'd be very, very surprised if we move, if we miss any regular season football. So, you know, the lockout, yeah. I, as boring as it is to talk about, and I hate talking about it because it's really pedantic. It's, in, it's incredibly it's, – it's wrapped in so much legalese, which is something I just don't understand, and I know you're with me on that. It's just something I'm not interested in. But – on the draft, you know I'm with you. So when you talk about a Mukamara Quinn, I could see either, I could see you know certain situations developing in the draft where either one of those guys fall. I think the key is going to be quarterbacks. You know you got guys like Blaine Gabbard and obviously Cam Newton that are going to be the keys up front. Uh, you have wild cards like Ponder, Jake Locker, uh, maybe even Kaepernick, and that'd be a stretch. But we've seen crazier things happen where they could creep up front. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys falls down to us. Even if you're a defensive mind, even to fall into A.J. Green or Julio Jones, it'd be hard to argue against that. Let, let me ask you this. Should we go, and you say you're a defensive guy. I'm with you. I'm, I'm more of a line guy. If we go after a defensive lineman in round one, what are you hoping to land in round two? Uh, oh, I, 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 hope, I hope that Alder uh, uh, Smith drops. Because sure. uh, I like him, um, I, I would hope that. Uh, well, I, I got to go offensive tackle after that, and there, there's a lot of good guys in there. It'd be hard to pick because there's just so doggone many good ones. But uh, uh, I'll, I'll just have to wait a little bit longer to to find out if the coaches want to save their jobs by getting quarterbacks. Then, uh, then, then you know, all, all the gates are open for for what's going to drop down. Because they're they're going to take they're going to try to take people that, that make them look good and hopefully win some games in the in the in the meantime. But uh, fair enough. Yeah, I, I, that's why I think a lot of a lot of the uh, line line guys I think they're going to drop because uh, you know the the coaches need something to save their jobs and, and uh, the quarterback is the biggest job saver you got and probably the the next is the wide receivers. So uh, if the wide receivers go and the quarterbacks go, then we got some darn good options to uh, to hit on the defense. Definitely throughout this draft, man, it, it lines up that way. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, last year you had guys like Tyson Alualu. You have things that are going to go in the mix, uh, whether it's early on or even throughout the process of the draft. They're going to that are going to push things back and make things a little bit different. Even Roger Saffold for the Rams. I mean, he was a bit of a surprising pick, not only for us but for the rest of the league to see that and then have other options be presented to them. But I got two callers on the line, Noxie. I got to move on, my friend. It was Hey, great buddy, that's on. okay. You guys keep up the good work. I'm here with you. Hey. hey, thanks, brother. And by the way, you got you got to drop some comedy on us. You're always so serious when you drop those comments <laughs> on the sites. So try, to, try to loosen up, man. 
<laughs> yeah, right. I, I'll just talk to that little British girl. There you go. Hey, thanks a bunch, Naku. Yeah, see ya. Hey, next call is coming up from the 501, and we got another one from the 760. You're going to be up next. We got about 17 minutes left on the show, just two minutes live, but hang on. I'll make sure I get you guys on. From the 501, you're on Churchill Radio. What's going on, man? 3K. What's up, man? It's T. Wales. Who is it? Oh, no. Return of forever. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's get it right, man. You, hey, you want to Eagle Bear track? You want to I just poured up a slow glass of Easy Jesus. Ah, oh, that's what's and I sat, <laughs> And I sat back in my Barker lounger. And I thought about what it would be like to have Mark Ingram in the first round. Hey, don't talk oh, around, man. <laughs> what's going on, my friend? Hey, man, I'm doing good. Hey, which yeah. one of the Boise State wide receivers? You think it'll fit good with the Rams? Uh, it's tough there. I th- I, you know, part of the difficulty is that we don't know what kind of offense we're going to have next year. Um, we don't know whether we're going to have a Josh McDaniels offense that the Rams are tailoring themselves to or whether we're going to have a Rams offense, something that Spagnuolo and, you know, Pat Shermer had developed that Josh McDaniels is going to have to melt his system into. I think that's the big key. I I personally think if it's a McDaniels first system, if it's something that he's bringing over, I think you have to look at what he did in Denver. And a lot of that was based on speed. I think out of the two, obviously, Titus Young fits that mold. You know, he, he, was, re- he, he was ready to work in somebody like Royal. He wasn't that comfortable with Brandon Marshall, somebody who was similar to Austin Pettis, possession guy, you know, a tenacity guy, maybe not the character guy that Austin Pettis is, obviously, with Brandon Marshall. But he was willing to work in those speed elements and then open the offense up, especially when he was in Denver. Um, I think if you go back to his New England time, I think that's a bit different because they had so many elements going on building the team before he got there, and he didn't have that much authority as he built up his own career. So I think if you look at McDaniel's sense, it's obviously going to be Titus Young. If you look from the Rams' perspective, I think the issue is on possession side. You obviously have a guy in Mark Clayton doing what he did in kind of a kind of a all around the jack of all trades, uh, doing what he did last season before he got injured. You know you have Donnie Avery coming back. If he can stretch the field, that kind of marks off that speed threat. You also have your slot guy, you know, a kind of underneath the cat and Danny Amendola. But you don't really have a possession guy. Who are you going to go to on third round? Who are you going to go to in the end zone when it's, you know, second and goal from the four if it's not Steven Jackson on the run? We don't really have a guy like that. I know people are looking at who I'm on a Winui. You're looking at Fendi Onabun. You're looking at somebody who can, who can fill that space with a big body. Maybe that's where Austin Pettis comes in. I don't know. A lot of it depends on, on which round they're kind of targeting wide receiver. And when you talk about that, obviously, in the draft, it depends on who falls where. You don't necessarily say we're going to take a wide receiver in round one regardless of what else happens. But if that's the way it works out, you know, maybe you get somebody that falls down to that position in the second, third round, and it ends up being one of those Boise State guys. Hey, hopefully. Hey, who do you think going to fall down to round two that the rounds will pick since we never talk about round two, guys? Well, it, it, it depends. You said round two in terms of who? Who, who do you think will get a round two, like position? It, it, a lot of that depends on round one. I, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to go off to the same position in round one. Um, you know, if Julio's there, you got to assume that we're going to go off to Julio and knock out wide receiver, and that's gone. 
But one thing that we've obviously seen, not only from his time in New York, but with us, is that Spagnuolo is more than comfortable going after, you know, the less than premier positions on a football team. Uh, you know, offensive tackles, middle linebacker, and yes, quarterback, our hand was kind of forced last year. But we've done some less than glamorous things through the draft to help build this team and put the core in place to be able to improve the team as opposed to just make headlines like a lot of other teams do. Should we go after Julio Jones in the first round? I think you've got to go back to defensive line. There's just too much talent. I'd be shocked if there's not somebody that's available there that makes sense for value, either at defensive tackle or defensive end. There's, there's going to be too many options, and there's too many ways to upgrade the team at either place when we get to that pick. Now, that being said, I have been more than surprised at a lot of the picks we've made in the last couple of years in the draft. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, another cornerback, if it's a safety, you know, now that a togway has gone, that's another option. We all know right side guard is going to be an option. We've got issues at linebacker. There's a lot of places that we can go. So it's, it's difficult to, to throw out names or throw out positions or throw out, you know, specifics without knowing what's going to happen and what other issues get covered. I think the one thing that we can be certain of is that there's probably not going to be any free agency period before the draft. That makes it that much tougher, and that leaves us so many other holes that we're not going to be able to cover in time. So it's going to be an interesting spot, man. It's going to be an interesting time. So you better turn off the TV and quit messing around with that big crit and focus on the draft for a minute. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. you got to listen to him. Have you heard the songs yet? Hey. I've heard Creighton. He's all right. right. That's what I'm saying. I'm old, man. You got to realize I'm old, brother. I'm I'm old school. I'm like NWA, EPMD. That's my style. I can't can't roll with these new kids, man. You got to go to the new school now, man. It's no good. I got love. I got love. I got love, but it is what it is. Hey, Kenny, I got to let you go, man. We only got about 10 minutes left, and we got one more call. I want to make sure we get them on. Thanks for calling, though. Hey, man, no problem. Have a good one, bro. All right, man. That's two out of three. Number three from the seven six zero. You're on Tar Show Radio. Three out of three. Are you batting a thousand three K? I'm trying my best, man. Hey, it's spring training. That's a good segue. But I know Albert Pujols. Who I got on Tar Show Radio, man? It's Jordan's dad. How you doing, three K? Hey, Jordan. What's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Good looking out for the West Coast, man. I appreciate that. I got to do it. You know, you got to do a West Coast thing. Now that we got Van out of the way, you know, he's big on Missouri. He's big on his Midwest thing. We don't want to upset. He kind of runs the show. You kind of have to play the game. But now that he's out the way, you know, I was born in Los Angeles, man. I got West Coast ties. Is that right? Yeah, I was born out LA in Van Nuys. Or what part of L.A.? Van Nuys. Van Nuys Presbyterian. Oh, Van Nuys. All right, all right. I got you. So. Hey, I just wanted to, I just wanted to put my two cents in. I've been saying it all over uh, the uh, website. There, we Let's we have to aggressively aggressively go after one of those two big receivers. Aggressively go okay. after them. Now, if we we can't Why? just sit at fourteen and, and hope that some that one of them falls to us. If we do right. that, you're saying, you're saying we got to trade up. If we have to trade up, do okay. whatever we got to do land one of those two big receivers, and I'll tell you why. We uh, These last couple of drafts, we've always been playing it safe, okay? And I think okay. that could be our downfall is playing it safe, all right? Now, I've never been a big fan of Devaney ever since this Ryan Lee stuff. But that's a whole other subject. He's sure. never been the type that goes and gets aggressive on things and takes chances. 
And I think that's what we need to do with one of these two uh, receivers, A.J. Green or, or Julio Jones. Why Why do you think that? I agree with you. I mean, it, it's just, again, to play devil's advocate, it's one of those it's one of those positions that you're always going to – and I don't mean to call out Ram Chop, you know, Choppy, you're my boy. But it's one of those things where you're always going to the Hall of Fame caliber, the Pro Bowl caliber type guys. You know, you talk about Plaxico Burris, Randy Moss. It, it's easier said than done to just bring somebody into that caliber. And I, I would totally agree that the offense needs somebody like that. We need somebody that is reliable and consistent, especially in possession-type situations. When you've got a third and four – and you're not running the ball, and, and Danny Amendola is going to be blanketed like we saw so often last season. I think we really need a wide receiver who can use his physicality to get open and get us that first down. Is that kind of what you're looking at as a possession type guy? Well, no, we, we've got possession type guys. I think we got that with Gibson. We've got that with Amendola. Uh, and to a certain extent, uh, Avery and Clayton. Uh, Avery would Avery to me is more of a uh, of a speed guy. You know, if, if he was reliable enough, people would be worried about how fast he is. But I mean, we, we we've seen what he did. You know, take for example at the two yard line when he caught that pass and fumbled, and and they took it back uh, a couple of years sure. back. Or you know, uh, we, we just don't have that. We and we need somebody more than just a possession receiver. We need to fight over the NHL. Was that they weren't dealing with. It's not just a 24-7 media. It's a, you know, how many seconds are in a day? That many seconds of 24 hours or seven days a week media. The idea that you've got Twitter, you've got all these other websites, and the connectivity of it has expanded to the point that everybody knows everything about nothing as soon as it, it does or doesn't happen. And one of the things that we've seen in this labor fight is that both the owners and the players are trying to capture the, the public relations battle in a way that they can't do because the speed of information is too fast for them to even contain. It's similar to politics. It's similar to the military, you know, something I've been in. You can't contain things that aren't in your control, and they assume the things that have been in their control for so many years, whether it's as owners, as businessmen, or players as part of a union for a sport that's existed for so many decades. They feel comfortable with ideas that they know have been – that have existed for so long. They don't anymore. And so when you're talking about this fight, when you bring it to money, as the Players Association has done, it's not going to work. The, the fans aren't going to buy into it. We don't care. And I say this, we, basing off of the public opinion that I've – you guys are already rich. I don't care how rich y'all are going to get. All I care about is getting the football back on the field. That's all that's important to me. i got to wrap this up, but it's about a win-win issue. When you guys have Richie Incognito out there talking about – how the previous deal was a great win for the players. Kevin Mawai, you know, the players represent, talking about it's a great deal for the players. That's fine. But everybody's trying to say that if it's a win for the players, it's a loss for the owners. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. The key moving forward has to be that both parties need to recognize that there's an opportunity for a win-win situation. The players can get a good deal, and the owners can make money hand over foot at the same time. Just because one group wins doesn't mean the other group loses. That's what I got coming up tomorrow. Other than that, it's another day of Tercho Times, man. You know what to expect. Van's coming back out of the woods. We're going to turn it on. By Monday, it's going to be full speed ahead because we got the draft coming up. I want to thank everybody for calling in. Drew from OBNUG1 Bronco Nation under God, Noxie, T, Jordan's dad. Again, thank you very much for calling in and filling this time with me. Tercho Radio, it's your boy 3K. Hello. 
Is it me you were looking for? That's it, man. That's a great way to sign off. Thank you. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.